Anita, how's your mental health? <laughs> Questionable <laughs> at all times. You know this. Yeah. How's the mental health of your children? Um, also a little bit tricky. Can I tell you my experience in trying to find therapists for myself and my kids, Mel? Yes, please. Okay. This is how it goes. You ask around your friends and your family for a referral for somebody who's nearby. You finally find somebody who sounds like they might work for your family. You give them a call and you find out that A, they're not accepting new patients or B, they have a huge wait list. So you start over again and you ask people if they know anybody who would be a good therapist and a good fit. Finally, you find one, you go and you meet with them and you figure out that you don't actually like them that much. But it's been so much work to find somebody who you can go to in your area that you're kind of stuck with them. Well, do you have any ideas for how to get around this? Um, I do, because guess what? I've actually had some therapists that I have found on my own, which involves what you're saying. Sometimes I remember one time I was like three hours in the bathtub on my phone looking through yeah. websites. I was such a prune at the end. But I have also had the experience with working with BetterHelp and it was like, I, I don't want to say too good to be true, but because it is true, but it's like amazing because I was matched with my therapist within 24 hours. And you didn't have to go through all of that other ridiculous process of trying to find somebody. And here's the cool thing too, is if that person didn't work out for you, you can just switch and say, and it's not like you're committing to another years long search for somebody who you're going to jive with. It's true. And I lucked out or maybe just BetterHelp is really good at matching people together because I never had to change my therapist. I loved her. Perfect fit for me. And I know that some of our friends have used BetterHelp and they've had to change therapists and boom, same day can change. Easy peasy. You can ghost your therapist. <laughs> Get a new one. I love this idea. BetterHelp is one of our sponsors. If you use our promo code, trybetterhelp.com slash WWDN, you get 10% off your first month and we totally recommend it. Yes. Get some therapy. That's <laughs> trybetterhelp.com slash WWDN. All right, Mel. Magnificent. Hmm. Well, welcome Magnificent. to this. Welcome to this edition of What Do We Do Now? The Widow Sode. Widow Sode. What are we talking about today, Mel? I think today we should talk about confidence. Confidence. Wow. Now let's go like do a dance on stage to show our confidence. Hey. I do not have confidence in dancing. Um, yeah, this is a bit of a tricky one because when your person dies, we find it really common and definitely happened to me where I felt my confidence take a hit. But I think that part of it is, is that you've lost the person who always had your back. So if you were to make a dumb decision, they would be there for you no matter what, you know, um, and now you don't have that to fall back on. So if you make a dumb decision, there's nobody there to be like, you know, you did your best or yeah, that was a dumb decision. And I still love you, <laughs> you know, kind of a thing. Kind of like a little Jiminy Cricket. Yeah. You lose your Jiminy Cricket. Absolutely. <laughs> and, and, you know, they're your cheerleader. They're your person who, you know, will love you no matter what. And then you start to second guess yourself. Yes. Yes. This is a common issue with many people on the planet, especially widows, because if you are a female and you are married to or partnered with a guy 
oftentimes there are things that are even just practical that are gone as a result of the person dying. For example, fixing things around the house. Not to get into gender roles, but when people are like physically stronger, a lot of times that is the partner that takes over some of those things. Getting on the roof, changing the shingles out, all those things. I don't By know. the way, I'm always on my roof these days. Really? Okay, so you were the shingler. <laughs> Actually, I did roof my house. <laughs> but here's here's an example. We have kayaks in the ceiling of our garage. They have not been taken down because I am physically not strong enough to get them from from down there so it's like i don't have the confidence i don't have the muscle muscle or i mean i could find a way around it. i could get help i could find somebody to do it but it kind of hurts a little bit that now i have to rely on somebody else to do something that jason used to do so my kayaks have not been used in three years yeah so it's not a matter of anything other than the person was the strong one to bring the things off of the ceiling. It's not like a feminism sort of a thing in this case. Um, right. It's a physical strength issue. And that can lead to dis decreased confidence, like you said, because you have to ask other people to help you. And so many widows, so many of our friends are like, I hate asking for help. I am self-sufficient. Even when I was married or partnered with my person, like I didn't have to ask for help. And that helps them to take a hit to their confidence meter. Plus, I hate inconveniencing people. You know, it's like I like to be able to do what I want to do when I want to do it. And guess what? When you have to rely on other people, doesn't doesn't work like that. So yeah. the ironic thing is that when your person dies, nothing about you changes, which let me and let me explain what I mean by that. It's not like I've lost the ability to do things because that person is gone. I haven't forgotten how to do certain things, you know, so it's not like my brain has actually lost the ability to do any of these things or make decisions. So really, it's kind of bizarre that we lose some of our confidence. Does that make sense what I'm saying? Yeah, and it's interesting too, because like, let's talk about you and Jason for a minute. And, okay. and he had certain things that he did and you had certain things that you did. Now right. you're responsible for all of the things that he did. And right. those are quote, new to you, at least in practice. True, yeah. So they are new and anytime anybody's learning a new skill, who doesn't have lower confidence than when you've mastered the skill? Like- This is true. Yeah. On the flip side, though, when you do master or when you do try a small task as a widow and you accomplish it, your level of satisfaction at yourself is maybe higher than it would have been if you weren't forced to do it. Does that make sense? Totally. And right now I'm thinking of our friend Kathy, who when she had to fix her fridge, oh, she yeah. totally did it. And it was something that maybe she would not have done. But now because she's a widow, that's her job. And she rocked it. And then and she's like, I am She-Ra! Yes! Yeah! <laughs> so there's something that's really amazing about having low confidence and trying something new and then getting positive feedback just to yourself so that you're like, oh, I can do things. I think oftentimes, because we're in the widow situation, it feels like life has kicked us down because it's basically true. We do yeah. have to rebuild and kind of redirect things. And so it's really easy to feel like every single task, whether it's really small or it's big or it's just neutral, 
is kind of going against us. And so it's easy to get in a frame of mind where we're just like, okay, I got to pick my battles. I got to pick what I can do. How much brain power do I have right now to devote to learning a new skill plus dealing with grieving my person? Because that's another thing, like starting the new thing that your person did. When you do that for the first time, you might have a lot of feelings or a lot of triggers or just sadness. And so then you're in dealing with your grief. And as we know, that's kind of a lifelong thing that will change over time. But it it's an element that's going to be added to some of those things. Yeah. Every time I take out the recycling, it makes me sad. Now that's not like physical challenging, like physically challenging task, nor is it something I needed to learn how to do. Like it's not that hard, but I'm like, this is Jason's job and it makes me mad. What about and- normal jobs? What if you you had to go back to work and start a new job or go back to school? What if your person was the sole provider? Mm -hmm. That's a big big task in front of people. So that is, I mean, how many people when they start school also feel like, I don't know what I'm doing. It's because you don't, you're in school learning. Yeah, absolutely. And then there's also the element of having somebody to bounce ideas off of. I think about this, especially with parenting. And um, with parenting, there's so many times where you're like, I don't know what the right thing to do is here. You know, do I do I do it this way? Do I do it this way? How do I deal with this behavior? How do I deal with this school situation? And when you have your person, when you have your partner, you can say, you know, what do you think that we should do? How should we deal with this? And you can have a discussion about that. And that person's gone. And so it rests solely on your shoulders. And there's this feeling of doom if you get it wrong. Like, I'm going to mess up my kids for the rest of their lives. They're screwed. <laughs> yeah. Right now, I'm <laughs> I'm looking back on a conversation that you and I have had before. And this makes me think of our widows and widowers that have kids that are going to be going through puberty. Ugh. When the parent is gone and the parent is the same gender of the kid going through puberty, usually that is the person that talks to them. Yeah. So, I mean, I would have no idea how to talk to a boy child about things. So it's it's a skill I would have to either learn or, or <laughs> get a guy to come in and talk to. And so I would feel inadequate, I could imagine. Right. Is that correct? Absolutely. I have three boys and we're about to that point. And yes, I'm like... I don't even actually know some of this stuff, right? Because I never experienced it. So help me. But even things outside of kids, I mean, should I move? What should I, you know, should I take this job? Should I not take that job? Just any of those big life decisions, it would be nice if you had somebody who you knew had your back and your best interest at heart and knew you more than perhaps anybody else in the world to help you think through those, those big decisions. And you don't have that anymore. And sure you have friends and sure you have, you know, probably family members who can, who you can talk with, but it's just not the same. Totally. And I'm thinking right now too, of widows in my situation that did not have kids. Sometimes when you are engaged or you have a boyfriend or you have a husband, Oftentimes, like I got married later in life for the second time. And so I'd already dealt with divorce. I dealt with being single. So there are a lot of skills that I had on my own where I could take care of myself. But as far as social pressure for those of us who are unmarried women, um, we are at a disadvantage. There's a lot of discrimination in that regard. And I'm going to speak to where I was maybe the first maybe when I was dating Scott and when we had gotten married, I remember, cause I'm not like this now, you know, as you, as you go through grief, like you become a different person. So now I have a different approach, but 
for me, when I came from a community that was very heavily family-based, as a single person, I felt like I always had to stand up for myself in and did not get a lot of support from the community. So I remember when I was dating Scott and there was a big sense of relief. I know from my family and from other friends that, oh good, finally Mel's not gonna be alone. And and I felt part of that too, even though it was kind of a double-edged sword to where I was like, yeah, but you should treat me the same regardless if I'm married or have a boyfriend or I'm single. And it's just not the case, like society is society. So when Scott died, I felt like people did not have confidence in me now that I was back in the quote single, even though I don't consider myself single, like I would be widowed. But now that I am a woman without a partner alive, I feel like others didn't have confidence in me and that I was back into that category of, oh yeah, well, you don't have a valid voice. So that's a struggle long-term of a lot of women everywhere that are in that situation. So shout out to all my kidless widows because there are different different stressors and different confidence issues that of course we don't understand because we're not parents, but right. we, we get isolated more or we're not as taken seriously. So that's yeah. a big hit to confidence. Right, when you, when you don't feel like you belong in any category too, that makes it hard for you to act with confidence in yourself. Cause you're like, well, do, am I this, am I this who, you know, I'm also thinking of some of our friends that we do not experience the same situation because we're not at that stage of life yet, but our widow friends that are empty nesters, they have a specific struggle as well. So people know that even when a couple becomes empty nesters, there's an adjustment. So now imagine being a widow on top of that. So that is Man, if you are with your person for a long time and they die and you're an empty nester, you are all alone. Yeah. Yeah. I think there's unique struggles with every stage of widowhood. (laughs) Yeah. It's kind of a weird thing to say, but it's true. It's like, it's almost like the only thing we have in common is that our person died. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. It's, we always talk about the Venn diagram. There's things that are similar and there, there are definitely things that are unique to each group of people. But I do think that this confidence thing that we're talking about is fairly universal where people really struggle to feel like they can make the decisions and that they can do the things that they need to do. And the thing is, is that we're amazing and we can rise to the challenge and it might not look pretty. It might not look how you thought it was going to look in your head. And you, you might make some mistakes. Like you might do things that you're like, Oh, I should not have done that, but it doesn't mean you failed. Correct. And I've heard this term connected with confidence a lot and a lot of people say it's not actually about confidence it's about courage Mm. tell me more i will tell you more (laughs) thank you so oftentimes we are faced with a situation where where it's do i participate do i not participate what do i do oh my fridge is broken what do i call somebody do i just leave it there Or should I learn how to do it myself? And oftentimes it's a matter of courage for the person to think, okay, well, I can look on YouTube videos online. I can go to Home Depot. I can get whatever tools I need and I can learn. And it's that courage that then provides confidence. So confidence is gained over time. Confidence is something that 
we look at patterns of ourselves and we are like, oh, I can trust myself because like, I know that I can do that. Like, for example, the first time I played with this one artist, um, he was notorious for just calling tunes off of the top of his head. And we are like, oh, we don't know what he's going to do. So I remember being so scared that I was going to fail and ruin a concert in front of like thousands of people. And the time came and I didn't feel like I had a choice except for to either try or to not do it. And I'm on stage and I felt like, okay, it's sink or swim. I'm going to do it. And because I did it and I made a few mistakes, but I mean, 80% of it was actually okay. Like nobody died. <laughs> if something gets really bad, you can always start over. It's okay. Because then I had that proof, quote proof for myself. That gave me confidence for the next time. It's like, okay, now I kind of know what to look out for. And what that did for me is a series of like a feedback loop. So we, our minds are feedback loops. We can keep thinking, I don't know how to do this. My person's gone. All is lost. And we can sit with that. Or we can notice that put a little door jam in it. I like to do that and just think, okay, well, I do have all these situations going on, but what if I try changing just one thing? What if I look at a YouTube video for how to set up a website? That's something that I had to do when Scott died. For me, it was scary at the time, but then I did it and I realized, oh, I can learn things. And that gave me more courage, the more proof that I had to myself that I could have my own back and be confident. Yeah, absolutely. And you bring up the idea of proof. We have plenty of proof that we are going to fail. And we probably have more proof that we are adequate enough and that we have the ability to figure it out. And so it's all to which, you know, which you point your attention to is, is what's what you're going to succeed at. And also you pointed out that most things, the outcome is not a life or death situation. So it's like your fridge is broken try and fix it. What's the worst that's going to happen? You know, you break it more, you have to call somebody, you have to buy a new fridge. It's not death, you know? So you can always lean back on that. After Scott died, I asked my dad for a Christmas present of a drill because (laughs) my goal was I am going to hang a shelf and I'm going to learn how to do it the right way. Now I look back on that and I'm like, that is so funny because now I've hung some shelves and I'm like, I remember when I was so scared of that and I let it be this big thing in my mind that like, I can't do it. And that's part of the learning process. Everything is a big thing until you try one step at a time and then you learn, you can do it. We're widows. We are, I think the strongest demographic on the planet because we've dealt with trauma and loss and we have to be creative in our solutions. We are always uh, kind of underestimated. And so I think that we're actually in a good position to create our own confidence for ourselves. And that starts with courage. Amen. So if you find yourself struggling on the confidence wagon, here are some helpful tips. Number one, remember that it's about courage and all you have to do is Put your attention on something that you think is scary and think, how can I do that? Instead of, here's why I cannot do that. Number two, YouTube is a beautiful thing. <laughs> I don't know how we survived without you. I don't YouTube. either. You can pause it. You could rewatch. You can even change the speed of the playback. You can learn anything you want to on YouTube. It's true. Number three, people have done these things that are widows that came before us. 
we've had many guests that mention that it's so important to have a widow mentor or somebody that's a little bit further ahead in the journey. So if you find that you are not confident, you can look at those widows and think, oh, they did it themselves. Look what they built out of this. I can do this too. And number four is give yourself a break. Remember that this is about you supporting yourself. You can have healthy thoughts. If you listen to our episode with Dr. Dawson Church, he talked about how when we think supportive thoughts to ourselves, there's actually a piece of our brain that grows stronger like a muscle. So the more you exercise that muscle, the more that you are going to have confidence in positivity and helping yourself to move forward and do the things that are quote scary. I feel like we should end by singing the sound of music. Which song? Do re mi. No, there's a song about confidence in there. I have confidence. That's the only part I know though. (laughs) We want to hear about your experiences, whether you had this loss of confidence, whether you have struggled to rebuild it, whether you have actively tried to rebuild it. We want to hear about your wins, what you've been able to do that you thought was a big challenge and you were like, did it and that um, you've succeeded. So tell us all about it in the comments. If you'd like to join the Widow Wives Club, it's another supportive place where you can talk about these things in a safe environment. And that's on Facebook. It's Widow Wives Club. And every Wednesday, we do Widow Wins on our Instagram account. And this is a place where you can put those things in there that you have overcome. And we celebrate all of the Widow Wins, whether they're tiny, 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 or they're huge. So come and be a part of that community as we celebrate each other and what we're able to do. Yes, I, we love to see what you are all up to. And we know that we got this, Widows. We're in this together. I'm Anita. I'm Mel. We're two young widows, and we are trying to build your confidence and also try and figure out widow. We do now. I have confidence in confidence alone. Besides which you see, I have confidence. This is my favorite thing to discuss with you. Tell me, what is it? One of my favorite things. I do enjoy tacos and cheese and dogs. This is about how you cannot pay hundreds and hundreds of dollars for a phone plan, especially when you're a widow, your person is dead, you might have kids, you might need another option, and you just want your phone to work, you want unlimited texting and service, and you want it to be like 25 bucks a month. It blows my mind that they have plans that start at $15 a month. That is so cheap. And the cool thing is, is it uses other 5G networks. And so you don't have to pay extra for that. And you still get great service. Yep. Anita and I have traveled all over and I have used my phone. So I highly recommend it. And my mom's even on it. When my dad died, we put his phone down to the cheapest plan, which is $15 a month. And I think my mom's on the $20 a month plan and it's so worth it. It's so much cheaper than what we were all paying before. So I highly recommend it if you're on a budget or not, who cares? Ryan Reynolds is in charge of the company and they send you free stickers with Ryan Reynolds temporary tattoos. It's kind of the best. So. If somebody wants to sign up, what can they do, Anita? Go to trymintmobile.com slash WWDN. Seriously, you guys, such a great idea. Save yourself some money. And if you're worried about losing data or having any changes with your phone, not going to happen. They walk you through it. Everything's fine. It's the easiest process of all time. Again, that's trymintmobile.com slash WWDN.